Ephesians 3, 14 through 21 says, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his Spirit and your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Awesome. Thank you, Reese Hamer right there. Uh, yeah, you can give him applause. That's good. Uh, it was another incredible year, Youthquake, and uh, incredible season at Camp Saokomo. You've heard the stories, and uh, uh, you know several of them have already said thank you uh, to you as a church family uh, for how you have invested. Uh, if you've been around First Church for very long at all, you know that uh, Next Generation Ministry, pouring in the Next Generation, has been a, uh, an important part of this ministry, um, I would say probably from the beginning. Some of you who've been around a lot longer than I could probably speak to that, but uh, it, uh, that's one of the things I love about this church is we see the importance of, uh, of pouring into that next, uh, next generation. And so, uh, so thank you uh, for so many of you who have invested in so many ways. And I want to say welcome. I, I know we have uh, quite a few parents here with us that uh, you've sent your kids uh, with us this summer. And uh, so we want to welcome you here. And we also want to say thank you to you parents who uh, trusted us uh, and our, uh, not only our staff, but so many of our volunteers to, to send your kids with us to, to camp. As you heard Nathan say earlier, uh, over 300 uh, kids that went with us. And that's, that's pretty awesome. And uh, so... Uh, again, glad to have you parents with us. I, I want to say welcome. I got to say this real quick. Welcome to everybody out there online and listening to the sermon and that's uh, joining us uh, today. Good to have you with us. All right. Hey, um, something else happened this week. Uh, a couple weeks ago, many of you participated in a dollar drive where we helped with Net Camp, another camp uh, that took place. And it just happened this last week. And I uh, wanted to share with you. Uh, thank you, okay? Uh, I think we've got a couple of pictures here uh, from the camp. They gave us a big thank you card. I'm holding that card there. That's Brooke Kerr right next to me. And, uh, and then there's another group shot. There's the whole gang over there at Net Camp, and they wanted me to make sure I told you thank you, all right? So uh, way to go, church. You supported that camp for, for uh, those with special needs, uh, and uh, man, they had another incredible uh, week camp there. So uh, but, uh, let's jump into what we're going to be talking about today. At Youthquake this year, uh, we spent the entire week going through the book of Ephesians and uh, spent time, Michael DeFazio from Mozart Christian College came and shared and, and just spent time just walking through that, that uh, whole book, and the theme really centered around power. Because if you go through uh, the book of Ephesians, that seems to be kind of this reoccurring word you see, power, dunamis, all right, the word where we get the uh, word dynamite from. And, uh, and so Paul, who's the writer of that letter to the church in Ephesus, uh, seems to be wanting to empower the church. Maybe, maybe there is a power problem 
at the church. And he's wanting to address that, and he keeps on reminding them. He keeps on encouraging them. Power, find power, find, be strengthened in the Lord over and over again. Sometimes we kind of think um, differently about power and what things are powerful. Um, I, I just uh, read this uh, this past week or heard about this this past week. Uh, Kevin Durant, basketball player, of course, uh, you know that. Um, but interesting, before he went into the NBA, he went to a combine event up in Chicago where all the players come together and coaches are watching and everything, and, and they're doing all kinds of different events, lifting and running and you know, uh, stuff on the court just to prove their, their uh, uh, worth, all right, before they get drafted. And uh, one of the things they do is they do the bench press, all right, you know, pushing that weight up. Well, um, they had 185 pounds on the bar, and Kevin Durant couldn't lift it. All right. Out of all the players there, he was the only one who couldn't bench press 185 pounds. And he says in this article, he says, and everybody was laughing at me. And then he says this, I was like, all right, keep laughing, keep laughing. It was a funny thing because I was the only one who couldn't lift who couldn't lift it, and I was struggling to lift it. I was embarrassed at that point, but I'm like, give me a basketball, please. I knew that you don't need to bench press to lift a basketball. <laughs> and, and what he's saying is, hey, it doesn't matter if I have that kind of power. I have the power that's necessary, and he's proved it. And he was number two whenever they were he drafted. He was picked number two in the, in the draft and uh, has proved his power ever since. Sometimes we just have a different idea about what is powerful and what power is needed, and really kind of depends on the context that we find ourselves in. Again, it seems like the church here in Ephesus was having a power issue. They, maybe, maybe they were discouraged. Maybe they were challenged in different ways. But Paul here in the text, he starts off, maybe you heard it right there at the beginning. He says, for this reason, I bow my knees. For this reason, I bow my knees. What's he talking about there? Well, we would back up. What, well, for what reason? He's just got through sharing about... Uh, his being in chains, and, and he says, hey, don't be discouraged because I'm in chains. chains. Maybe, maybe the church in Ephesus knows what Paul's situation is, and hey, Paul's our leader, and if Paul is in, in prison, what does that mean for us? And that can make a person weak when your leader, those who you look up to, have, have been persecuted, have been put down, and and maybe that's what he's referring to. For this reason, because I know that you might be discouraged, because I know that, that you've seen, you're seeing what I go through, and it's, it's hurting you. He says, for this reason, I, I bow my knees. And then he begins to share with them his prayer. This is what I'm praying for. And he walks them through this, this prayer that he prays. I bow my knees before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. When, when he says that we're named, he's talking about, he says, you know what, every family on this earth, everybody who's a part of the kingdom, they are named by him. They are, they, they are to emulate his character, who God is, the, uh, the Father figure that we're all to have. We're to emulate him in this world. 
So he goes on and, and explains. He starts with taking them. Let's, let, let's remember who, who the source of our power is, who, who it is we are to emulate, our, our Father in heaven, the creator of all, all things. And he doesn't want them to lose sight of him. Because it's, if we lose sight of him, then, then we are surely going to be discouraged and we're going to struggle. No, we've got to keep our vision on our Father, the one who we're to emulate, the character whom we're supposed to follow. We've got to keep our vision on him whenever we're in the heat of the battle and we find ourselves discouraged. And so he tells them again his prayer. And the first thing that he prays for them is that they would experience God's power. That they would experience God's power. Now, th- this isn't the first time that he's mentioned power. It's not that he waited till chapter 3, you know, of course, his letter when he wrote it didn't have chapters. But, but anyway, at this point, he, he's not waiting to, to, to this point because you go back into, in Ephesians chapter 1, 19 and 20, and, and he talks about that power and he says it's the same power. The power that we have that's available to us is the same power that raised Jesus from the grave. And we just sang about says that same power is available to us. And in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 2, he, he says there's a, he, he wants us to know, hey, there's another kind of power out there. There's an evil power. Satan is the ruler of that power. We need to recognize it is there. You go to uh, back up just a few verses in chapter uh, 3, verse 7, and Paul says there that he himself has experienced this power, and he talks about his conversion whenever he came to Christ. Maybe you remember that story whenever Paul, who was Saul at the time, was on the road to Damascus, and, and Jesus appeared to him, and he was blinded, and, and he experienced a power like he had never experienced before, and his life was changed forever. He says, I've experienced that power, and it's that power that is, is available to us today. Verse 16 says this, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. Power. He says, I want you to be strengthened with power through his spirit, that spirit that is in us, that every one of us who are followers of Christ, who've, who've claimed him as our Savior, been baptized in him, rise to a new life in him, we have that promised Holy Spirit in us, and that is the spirit the power source that is ours for this life. He says, I want, I am praying that you understand that, that you experience that power. You don't forget you have that power. You might be discouraged right now, but don't forget you've got this power in you. Man, whenever I was thinking about power and just different ideas of power, I, I thought about whenever I was a kid and we used to go to the Go to the fair, and we'd go to the tractor pulls. Anybody ever go to tractor pulls? I remember as a kid thinking, whoa, those things are awesome. You know, I just probably blew a speaker. Anyway, um, I mean, I just, I, I love that. I mean, those motors and everything. You know, whenever you're a kid, maybe you've experienced this, parents, with your kids. Whenever your kids are little, they're a little easier to, uh, uh, to a little easier to convince that something's powerful or that you're powerful, Right? I mean, if you got a you got a little boy, and you know when he's little, you know it's like, yeah, feel that muscle, you know, it's like, woo, dad. But then they grow up, and they want to challenge your power all the time, right? And uh, think that they're more powerful than you. Not yet. All right. Well, maybe I, I'm not sure. <laughs> Kids are a little more easily convinced. This past uh, summer, our family had the opportunity to go to New Mexico with some friends, and we went up to Los Alamos over there and, and uh, visited where they created 
the, uh, uh, the atomic bombs that uh, were used over in Japan. And, and we read about uh, uh, Fat Man and Little Boy, what those bombs were called, and the devastation that they caused. And you, you talk about power. There's a lot of power. But there's nothing in this world, nothing that man can create, nothing that we can find in this world that compares to God and his power. And the power of God is made evident around us all the time. That's one of the things I love about going to Youthquake. You heard it in some of the testimonies uh, here today. I love taking kids to the mountains, uh, and I love whenever we pull into the mountains and we're seeing them for the first time and turn to my van, and all the kids that are in my van, and going, all right, how many of you are seeing these mountains for the first time in person? And you see some a couple of hands go up, and they're the ones that are watching. They just can't believe it. They've seen, they've seen mountains in pictures and on screens and everywhere, but when you pull into those mountains and you see these cliffs all around you, and it's just they're in awe, and I always want to point them out, hey, you know, God created all of this. <laughs> it's awesome. I love taking them out there. I love taking kids out at night whenever the stars are out there in the mountains and say, man, look at that. Look at that. You know, that's the Milky Way right there. We took a group of graduates and seniors out to the cemetery and the very last night about midnight one o'clock <laughs> it was pretty funny but we paused for just a second and i was like man look at the stars just dark and then we scared them to death but anyway um it was awesome when we take time to recognize the power of god that is is all around us not just in his creation look look, look. You can look at the person next to you who was created in the very image of God. You don't have to go to the mountains. You can look at people. You can look at your own hand. You can look around, and we can see God's power at work all around us. We can't miss that. See, what tends to happen is uh, one of the issues that we deal with is we begin to go through this life and we begin to believe that we have all the power that we need to make it through this life. And what happens is we miss out on God's power when we think that we have enough power. Been there? When you think you can make it on your own and we, we, don't, even, we don't even take a moment to consider that God has power to lead us through this life, to help us through this life. We just say, oh, I got it. And we miss out on what God is wanting to do in us and through us. It's that same power that Paul talked about to Timothy over in 2 Timothy 1.7 when he says, hey, don't you know that you are not given a spirit of timidity but a spirit of power? Not your own power, but the power that God has given you when he gave you the Holy Spirit. God is our power source. As a church, as we look at first church, we've got to keep reminding ourselves, God is our power source. It, it, just like he began in the very beginning when we were talking about every family derives its name from him, our church is a, is a family of God, and, and Christ is the head of our church. He's the one who is our power source as a church. It's not our history. It's not our legacy. It's, it's not our programming. It's not a preacher. It's not a, anybody else. It's just him. He's our power, and 
Maybe that's what Paul's trying to get across to the church in Ephesus. Hey, Ephesus, hey, church there, I'm not your power source. It doesn't matter if I'm in chains. God is still God, and he still has all the power you need to make it through this life. And so maybe he's just reminding them, you still got all the power you need to reach lost people, to help the hurting, and to make a difference in this world. And maybe for us to keep making a difference in the life in the lives of the next generation that's coming up. He's empowered this church. He's placed this church right where we're at to make a difference. So Paul prays for the church to be powerful, but he goes on and he also prays that they would know God's love. That they would know God's love. I really think the two go hand in hand. Look at verse 17 following there, Ephesians 3 so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. He says there, may he make his, uh, his dwelling in your hearts, literally make his abode, his permanent dwelling you, that you might be rooted and grounded in that love. He uses trees and he uses buildings. Dig your, d- d- drill your roots deep into his love. Build. If you're going to, the taller, the bigger the building you're going to build, the deeper and more firm the foundation must be. And he says, pour that foundation on his love. In love. You see, we're to live this life, this power-filled life with love. You see, I, I believe that's, that's how the world around us experiences the power of God most is whenever God's people show God's love to them. That's why we have love 918. We want to go love, love, because when we love, when we meet needs, when we help the hurting, what they get to experience is God's power. So they too might come to love him. One commentator about this, he says this, and I think this is good. The difficulty we face is that Western Christianity is extremely academic. It does not touch the emotions. It has become a book religion in the worst sense. Christianity was meant to be more than a religion. True Christianity is meant to form our perspective and transform the emotions. I think he's right. We can spend so much time in the academic side of following Jesus. Know the Bible, know the Bible, know the Bible, which is good. Sounds kind of weird just coming off the last series we just talked about. Think, get into God's Word, but there's balance. God created us with emotion, and we need to be able to grab hold of that emotion. That's one thing I love about being with our students and about seeing our kids. They, they, they still are in contact with their emotions and you see them. You heard, I think it was David earlier talking about seeing these kids just open up to God. They, they want to experience Him and some of us older people, we just kind of, we better know this music stuff, you know. That resonates, this music stuff resonates with the next generation. There's a reason why we do it, because we want them to have that experience with God and worship of Him. That's a way that they can 
display their love for him. And that's a way that we are to display our love for him. How many times does the Bible talk about lifting up our voices in song to God? We need to do that. I'm going to wrap it up here, but let me, here's, here's how Paul wraps it up, all right? Ephesians chapter 3, uh, verses 20 to 21, we call this a doxology. Here's how he wraps it up. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power, there it is again, at work within us, that spirit that's doing his work, to him, God, be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations. Not my generation. Let's just end it in my generation or the past generation. No, no, no. He says, no, throughout all generations forever and ever Amen. See, the power of God is supposed to keep on going, and that is the task of the church, is to keep pushing, pushing that power and that love down the line to the next generation and to the next generation and to the next generation until Jesus declares... It is finished, and he comes again. That's what this church is about. We want to be a church that displays the power and love of God to the world, but also to the next generation. That ought to be our intent. You see, we're a church that's for students. We don't want to be a church that always negative. There's plenty of negative things we could be saying about kids, all right? The next generation. I can't you believe those millennials out there, you know, we could go that way. No. We want to be for them. We want to be praying for them. We want to be pouring into them. We want to dis- be displaying what, what Paul prays for this church, displaying the love of God so they can experience the power of God in their life. That's the kind of church that we want to be. You see, we experience God's power. Listen to me. We experience God's power when we show God's love. Are you showing God's love to the world around you? If you do, hold on, because you might see God do something incredible through you. Father in heaven, we, uh, we thank you for this day that we could come here and celebrate what you've done this summer. We, 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 want, we want you to receive all the glory for what's happening in our kids' lives, our students' lives, and our, and our adult leaders' lives. God, we give you all the glory for that. And uh, God, we just pray that you would help us to be a church that drills our roots deep into your love and in that displays your power to the world. God, help us to live that life. Help us to live that out in each one of us. God, we love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.